well, welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast. Starring Jay from Sludge Central and Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. It's the Halloween season, Matt, and we have arrived at one of our biggest shows of the year. Spooky Songs! The seventh edition of Spooky Songs. Can you believe it? Oh my god. It's like, we're generally such flakes. It's it's just (laughs) amazing that we've done anything seven times. I know. I can't even believe that we've made it this far. Because I still feel like those two guys doing a podcast thinking, are we going to keep doing this or like what's happening <laughs> yeah i mean it was so long ago that we went to kmart and it wasn't even for the novelty factor yeah <laughs> that's how we uh, got all of our original equipment so low tech the original spooky song shows it was like us doing thriller you know somebody <laughs> somebody's watching me fucking ghostbusters and now at <laughs> volume seven <laughs> There's a reason for that, okay? I have OCD, and I needed to get the basics out in the beginning because people will say, well, why are you picking such basic songs? It's like there's something inside of me thinking if I don't say that Thriller is on this list, I can't continue. It just tripped you up. You needed to get all the big ones out of the way so nobody would come to you and say, hey, what about Thriller? Now it's like we paved the way for the real good stuff, the treasures. Oh my god, it's like the stuff on both of our lists tonight, really obscure, but both lists are really good too. Absolutely, and when we first saw each other's list, I have to admit, I was like, eh. But now, I feel like this might be one of the best, I'm not even kidding, this might be one of the best sets of songs we've ever done. It's kind of a backhanded compliment, because in there you're admitting that when you saw my list, you said, eh. Well, you know, I didn't say and when I saw your list, I said, ah, (laughs) but I followed it up with a compliment. So that's true. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. no, it's like a a real earworm. This list just grows on you. It does. It does. So we're going to get into it tonight. Who's going to kick things off? All right. We're going to do 10 songs each. Do you want me to go? No, 10 songs each. No, fuck. We'll be here forever. (laughs) 10 songs total, Jay. Five songs each. Five songs each. Should I go first? Or is it your turn? Um, I think it's your turn. Okay. Yeah. All right. Here we go with my first spooky song. Number one. And that was Cat's Eye from Ray Stevens back in 1985, Jay. Oh, man. This one. This was the song that played over the end credits of the movie Cat's Eye in the same year. And before we even get to the song, can we just talk about that movie? Oh, gosh. Yes, let's do that. It's like a spooky horror anthology, kind of like Creepshow. All the stories are Stephen King stories. And the idea is that you have this random street cat who's popping up in each of the segments. And he's like the bridge that kind of binds them together. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, your typical anthology, but the stories are so outlandish. Outlandish and completely different in tone. (laughs) Yeah. Like, 
For, so you have three segments. The first one is James Woods, and he's dealing with this psychotic anti-smoking company who will basically kill his family if he takes a drag off a cigarette. Yeah. Like real hardcore kind of like Tales from the Crypt stuff, right? Right. The final segment, the third segment, is this little tiny monster troll trying to kill little tiny Drew Barrymore. It's like a Jim Henson movie. Or like Critters or Troll. It's kind of like, it's whacked out. Oh, man. But that third segment, I know you're a big fan of it. Oh, my God. I, I absolutely love that third segment. It's so out there. The effects, especially by 1985 standards on that monster troll, so good. So good. And you know what? It brings to mind, like, we're, we're always talking about WPIX and, and Shocktober and all that stuff. But this was one of those promos when you see Cat's Eye where the, this little creature's coming through and you're like, oh, man, like this has to be a total all-out horror film. Then you watch it and you're like, all right, maybe not, but it's still awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they make you wait because you're like, you go into this, you want that little monster troll. You mm-hmm. want the guy, <laughs> you know, from the promos. He's wearing a little yeah. jester hat. He's fucking awesome. And you're right. It's very, like, Critters-esque in, in appearance. But you got to deal with James Woods, and then there's that second segment where the guy's walking around the ledge of the old building. Yeah, he's in Atlantic City. <laughs> oh, that's right. It's yeah. 1980s Atlantic City, complete with shot of our favorite mall ever. Ocean One. <laughs> yeah, the Boardwalk Mall. This yeah. is a shopping mall shaped like a ship. Exactly. Oh, so, God, the KB toys in there. <laughs> there was. And that middle section, even though, believe me, I love Atlantic City, but that middle one wasn't as good as the bookended parts of it. The first one, the James Woods anti-smoking one, it's so berserk <laughs> that you have to love it. Yeah. And the third one is just like this classic fantasy horror thing. So yeah, a guy walking around a building for 25 minutes in the middle of the movie, that's a tough sell. I have to ask you, I have some some observations about the little troll part of the movie. Sure. This little guy, he's got to be probably like seven inches tall. I don't know, right? Yeah. But he has this insane strength, and he basically breaks through the wall to get to Drew, right? Yeah, he he creates sort of like a little mouse hole in the wall. Right. And then guess what happens when he goes back in the hole? The wall magically reforms. Yeah, this guy has a business on his hand. This is like troll home repair services. He didn't need to go killing people's birds and shit. Yeah. He could have made it the right way. Yeah, like, what are you wasting time trying to torment poor Drew Barrymore? And, you know... (laughs) So, and this guy's running around. He has a sword. So now I'm thinking, in the walls, like, he's the only thing running around. That's the only thing you can hear. Is there, like, a blacksmith inside there where he got this fashioned sword we see him get to the house i didn't see him carrying a sword it's like he it just magically materialized <laughs> yeah. these trolls have wonderful powers all right and my last observation is how does the cat know how to play the record player <laughs> <laughs> well i mean drew was kind of guiding him through the process and i think a lot of the record playing was kind of accidental still he was a DJ, that little guy. He was, and brilliant usage of that Sting song, Chipmunk Style. The Sting song, which they apparently couldn't afford the license for the real Sting version. What was it? It was Every Breath You Take, right? <laughs> yeah. Which does fit the themes of the it movie totally perfectly. Does. It's like, so... It's a brilliant thing. I was going to say, it's the best usage of that song ever. But it's like a cover version that you might have found on the Drew's Famous CD. <laughs> I knew you were going <laughs> to say that. <laughs> I, I know. It's my go-to reference whenever a song is a cover. <laughs> this is so Drew's Famous <laughs> Uh, but this song that I'm talking about is not Drew's Famousy. The late Ray Stevens. He was on the Great Space Coaster. He was the lead singer of the Village People. If you ask me, though, this song was his biggest achievement. I give this movie credit because they're like, all right, we got Stephen King. We got an anthology. We got Drew Barrymore. All we need is a funky ass theme song. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. It, so it's like, this is the song that plays over the end credits, and there is nothing, nothing, nothing in the movie that would tonally line up with this. But it is a rockin' little pop anthem. It is. <laughs>
number two. My first pick tonight, Matt, is the Terrorvision theme song by the Fibonacci's sci-fi horror comedy from 1986, this movie. I know you watched it. I'm sorry, the band name is the Fibonacci's? No, the Fibonacci's. We're going to get to the Fibonacci's. but okay, So I'm let's sorry. talk about the movie real quick. That's my kind of film, I got to tell you. Uh, I watched it the other night in prep for the show. First time watch, and yeah, that was something. <laughs> so this alien monster gets sent from another planet to Earth and winds up beamed into this house through a satellite dish. It comes through the TV. Uh, the monster starts killing people in the house and later befriends the kids in the house, basically. So, it's that uh, classic story. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. your common story. But, I mean, when you really think about it, so back at that point in time, satellite dishes were this, like, status symbol. Like, oh, he has a satellite dish. You remember this? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, of course. You would drive past the house with a big dish, and you'd be like, oh, my God, it's so rich. <laughs> so I think the movie is a real tongue-in-cheek tribute to, like, sci-fi monster movies, but done in 1986 from that perspective. You're kind of glossing over how gross and violent it is. Yes. And so you say horror movie, that can mean a lot of things. Like, this is like one of those real splatter fest, gross, really extreme gore movies. Yeah, it really is. I mean, but it's done in a comic way. So I think it, that kind of like tones it down a little bit. But the song itself, at first, you might say, okay, well, this is like a sci fi movie. Why are you putting this on the Halloween countdown? Terror Vision is a horror movie. You're totally safe. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, it's in the fucking title Terror, terror Vision. It's exactly. Not, it's not sci fi vision. Listen to the beginning of this, the lyrics Cold October night, mom and dad asleep, creeping past their bedroom door. I hear the cries of sheep. So, like, right there, you got everything that you need for Halloween. You have cold October night. You have a sheep right there. <laughs> so, wait, I mean, are the parents in the bedroom ones crying like sheep? Where are the sheep noises coming from? I don't quite follow. That's why it's scary. Like, there's why would there be a sheep involved? Yeah. Then I'm thinking, all right, so this band name... The Fibonacci's, it's such a fun word to say. <laughs> the, the Fibonacci's. Let's play a quick game. So I'm, I'm going to invite you, Matt, to be the next contestant on Find the Fake Fibonacci. Okay. Okay. I can't wait. Okay. Find the Fake Fibonacci. It's an original game show that I came up with just now. Okay. okay so, so what do I have to do? I'm going to read you off two descriptions of Fibonacci's, and you have to pick... Which is the fake Fibonacci, okay? Okay. All right. All right. So your first option, the Fibonacci's are your neighbor's kid, the Italian kid who tells stories like that, uh, Jeremy Fibonacci, he's always making up stories, that damn kid. <laughs> yes. Okay? That's your first option. Okay. Second is you guys have a, you know, a newlywed couple that you befriended, Ann and Dave, we'll call them, okay? And uh, they have these weird house rules for Monopoly, and they keep referencing them as the Fibonacci rules. <laughs> and, like, everyone in the room is supposed to be familiar with these Fibonacci rules, and they shake their head when people aren't following the Fibonacci rules. You know those types of people. Oh, I absolutely know who yeah. you're so, about, so Yeah, so which, out of those two, which is the fake Fibonacci? I have to say that the real Fibonacci is old Jeremy over there. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna knock out the Monopoly family. Okay, <laughs> Jeremy Fibonacci. I mean, there ain't a person on the fucking East Coast who didn't grow up with a Jeremy Fibonacci. <laughs> I, I, 
You you were the Jeremy Fibonacci of Jersey. You won. You won the game. All right, great. I I have some things I got to throw at you here. Okay. While we're on the subject of terror vision. Okay. Uh, number one, I sat down to watch it the other night with my little package of Vermont turkey sticks. <laughs> and within two seconds, there was an alien who looked like a giant melting cyst on the screen. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> and then five minutes later, as I rebound and start re-eating my fucking Vermont turkey sticks, Grandpa pulls out lizard tail jerky that looks exactly <laughs> like it. So thank you again, Jay. <laughs> I saw that. That's gross. Number three. If your teacher says you're bad and sends you to the And that was You Can Be a Garbage Pail Kid from Jimmy Scarlet and the Dimensions back in, what was it, 1987? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this ran over the end credits of the Garbage Pail Kids movie, and I'm just now realizing that all but one of my picks tonight come from the end credits of horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> Literally four of the five tonight. And the fifth is like a borderline case in itself. I don't so, know. I, I was expecting this. Yeah. Um, we've talked about the Garbage Pell Kids movie before. You remember my story there. I went to go see it with my mom, and I was so disturbed that we ended up leaving the theater yes. after like 15 minutes. <laughs> and ever since then, it's like my most hated movie. I can't be objective. This is my personal video nasty. I just hate it with every fiber of my being. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan. By leaving early and not really giving it its fair shake over the years, I think I've missed the best part of it, though, is this freaking awesome song. <laughs> Don't giggle like, like a fucking patronize me. This is a good song. It's a great song. Yeah, it is a great song. And uh, this Jimmy Scarlet here, the only other song he's released was on the soundtrack to Body Slam. Like, this is such an amazing discography it's, it's the body slam soundtrack and the garbage Pell kids movie soundtrack it's unprecedented one time only i mean you couldn't even do it now if you tried i mean i agree it's a great song it just doesn't i don't think it belongs on a halloween playlist what 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 <laughs> are you crazy are you out of your mind <laughs> wait I, wait hold, hold on wait you thought i was gonna condone this <laughs> I can't believe you are raising this losing, losing point. The Garbage Pail Kids movie theme, not appropriate for a Halloween playlist with some of the songs we put on this show before. This is the traditional Matt iffy choice that when he puts it out there, half of the people support it and say this definitely belongs on there what are you what are you crazy even the <laughs> listeners who can't stand me are gonna give me this one jay <laughs> so wait okay if it was up to you your halloween playlist would be like show tunes seriously like to, to call this this shout out to outcasts telling all the bad kids that they too can be garbage pale kids <laughs> yeah but it's not hard though Listen to these lyrics, Jay. Okay. If your teacher says you're bad and sends you to the principal, you can be a garbage pail kid. If your parents say you're dressed like you should be in a carnival, you can be a garbage pail kid. I mean, 
This just screams October 31st. My, my favorite line is, here's a pail and here's a lid. You can be a garbage pail kid. <laughs> oh, those oh, lyrics. Man. That's, That's poetry. Yeah, Jesus Christ. That must be towards the end of the song. They were just running out of things to say. <laughs> How many other words rhyme with kid? <laughs> no, it's great advice, though. Like, okay, so say you have somebody who's listening who doesn't know what they should be for Halloween. There's like 5,000 garbage pail kids, so pick one. Another reason that this is totally appropriate. I mean, the Garnsville kids to me really are like an inherently horror thing. In fact, they were, for many kids our age, I suspect, a gateway drug to horror movies in their own weird way. Well, I'll, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the mad thing where I actually don't agree with you, but I sound like I'm agreeing with you. Well, it's the quickest way to get past this segment. <laughs> That's for sure. Number four. When the grim doors creak and the tombstones quake, spooks come out for a swinging wake. Happy haunts materialize and begin to vocalize. Grim doors come out to socialize. Now to close your eyes and try to hide or silly spook missing by your side. That was Grim Grinning Ghosts by Ghost Host from 2016, Matt. Uh, it's very you, this, this track. <laughs> very you. Yeah, so I'm a Disney guy, and I've been wanting to put this one in here. can't remember if I ever did, but I know this version I haven't. So if you aren't a Disney person, this one is pretty accessible for most fans of hard rock metal type music. Essentially like an industrial remix of the Haunted Mansion theme. So, I mean, just on concept, it's pretty cool. So this is the song from the Haunted Mansion, basically. When you ride through the dark ride, whether you're in Disneyland or Magic Kingdom or whatever, you're going through the dark ride and this song is playing. And there's lots of cover versions. This one is awesome because it is done to a video where you see all the band members dressed up as the hitchhiking ghosts from the dark ride itself. And the costumes are really good, which is impressive because this doesn't strike me as a huge production, but they did some nice work in that video. They really did. Like, it totally looks like it could have been an official Disney thing. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. just to establish, like, Ghost Host, I don't want to call them a super minor band, but they're not, like, some giant. So, yeah, you know, exactly. this, this was like a passion project for them, and they, I think, did really well. And the band not only, like, wears the costumes, the drummer has a custom Haunted Mansion kit with, like, the print from the wallpaper. It's really neat. And they're also, like, slightly opaque, so they look like ghosts, too, which is cool. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of the opaqueness. Have you been on this ride at all, or? I went on the ride once in my life. Uh, I think it was back in 2006. We were kind of sandwiched between the worst guests in all of the... 15,000 Disney parks. So that kind of put a damper on it on the wait when you have like really annoying people. But overall, the ride was good. So, yeah, this one um, I really dig. So I think it definitely should be added to your Halloween playlist. This song is, like I said, very you. Yeah. And I want to try to articulate that a little further if you'll indulge me. Okay. So, you know how sometimes we'll get in like a 30 minute text conversation about wrestling or cereal or some dumb shit? Yeah. I feel like there would be a conversation where 20 minutes deep, you'd casually respond with, sorry, we'll have to continue this later. I'm actually at the Ghost Host concert in East Brunswick. <laughs> like, this is that bad for you. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> Number five.
That was The Darkest Side of Night by Metropolis, which doubled as the theme song to Jason Takes Manhattan back in uh, 1989, right? Yeah, I love this pick. Does this qualify as cock rock or is it more like... uh, Uh, I mean, it's kind of got more of like that Michael Bolton vibe. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's a, that's okay. Yeah, a little bit, actually. Yeah, not no, wrong. I, yeah, it's like a mixture of that. So this song plays at the end of the movie, but it also plays right at the start, and it's over that four-fucking-minute montage of Super CD Manhattan with all, like, the rats and the, <laughs> the punks. The swimming rat. Yeah, the swimming rat. I'm <laughs> like, hmm, I hope they took good care of that rat, because that looks a little borderline to me. Exactly. And it's hysterical because they let the entire song play over this montage. It's like a really long time. And then you cut right to Jason on a boat. (laughs) So it's like it sets you up for this amazing movie. And then you get the Jason on the boat movie. I think you're underselling, though, the power of the song. Because this song. You think I'm on. Please. I think this song is like fucking. It's like a drug when you listen to it. Yes. It is like taking a Scooby snack. Well, it's more like getting, just getting that blast of power. Like, I just feel a surge of power when I hear it. This actually strikes me more as a you pick than a me pick in a lot of ways. It does. It does. And, you know, I, I got to say, like, it's not something that you would think you would hear in a Friday the 13th film. No, not at all. Not at all. But it does fit. At least it fits what they were trying to do with that whole Jason Takes Manhattan thing. Make a shitty movie. <laughs> Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. For for number eight in a series with a slash budget, I think they did just fine. <laughs> I know, but hold on. I love this movie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But there's a lot wrong with it. <laughs> well, I think that, I mean, if you can put aside the boat thing, and honestly, I can at this point, like, whatever. It's like, it's just a fucking gag at this point that it's not really a Manhattan. So what? Yeah. The boat stuff isn't that bad. Okay, so they go on this boat, it's supposed to be like this school trip, and then they're immediately sparring in the lowest part of the boat. The teacher's asking them for their reports and stuff. I'm like, wait, isn't this supposed to be like a school trip and get away from school? And then they're doing all the same things in the boat that they would have been doing at school. I never really gave it much thought, but I, I wonder if they do explain that in the movie. But if they don't, that's definitely a plot oversight worthy of a bullet point on IMDBJ. <laughs> All right, so next time you watch it, though, this is very cool. In the beginning of the movie, there's like a guy and a girl on the boat doing stuff with each other and whatnot, and then Jason comes, right? The guy looks like Billy from Stranger Things. Uh, Let me look this up. Jason takes Manhattan harpoon kill. Yes. All right, all right. Oh my god, he does look like Billy from Stranger Things. So it's like he went back in time. Yeah, he looks a lot like him. That's actually kind of eerie. When Jason harpoons them, does he like take out his intestines? Because there's like these tubes hanging, and they don't look like intestines. Yeah, like they're the worst intestines I've ever seen in a movie. This was the first Friday Thirteenth movie I rented. It was actually one of the first real hard horror movie tapes that I rented, and. Mm That scene grossed me out so much that like, I ended up pushing off the whole genre for another year. <laughs> I thought it was intestines. I only found out recently, like literally in the last six months, that it's the wires attached to the harpoon. Oh. Like say you're going to like spear a fucking fish or whatever. And there's like rubber tubes attached right, to it. Right, right. But it's like when you watch the movie, unless you have some knowledge on what fucking boat Har- harpoons harpooning. do. Harpooning. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm eight. <laughs> yeah. I don't know yeah. what the fuck a harpoon does. I think he's pulling his guts and like, turn this shit off. I didn't even know that Jason was on a boat for like three fourths of the movie because I turned it off right after that intestine shot. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so um this song reminds me very specifically of something we'd be listening to in the car when we were like 10 minutes away from a horror convention yes couldn't you see it yes a hundred percent because it's kind of getting dark it's cloudy yep and then meanwhile we are doing like 80 in a u-turn trying to get to the hotel you are you're driving i'm in shotgun you're fucking liberally going over these solid white lines and i'm asking you if my face is too puffy to be seen in public let's just go home let's go to wawa and turn around Matt is Drax Back by Red Lipstick, aka the Bollock Brothers. Where has this song been hiding? That's what I'm saying. So this is a cover of an Andy Foray song. To my ears, this is basically like a disco song. And it's weird to say like that I would pick a disco song because most people know me as like a rock and metal fan. But the thing is, like there was this whole movement in metal music and it was called Disco Sucks. I don't know if like it was actually a, like this stupid thing that they had, but to me. I think disco slaps. So this is it. Using the song Drax back as your your little uh, impetus, so to speak. You're taking a stand for disco tonight. You'd have to evacuate the dance floor if I'm on it and Drax back is playing. I mean, you're not wrong because like when I heard this song, it's like something you would have had former WWE superstar, the Funkasaurus, going down to the (laughs) ring doing his dinosaur dance, too. Drac is on a roll. Exactly. Drac is on a roll. (laughs) Yeah, so this one is definitely upbeat. It's just fun, you know? And I think putting it on a playlist is a good change-up because you'll be listening to all this kind of spooky stuff. And then this comes on, and you're having your Halloween party. There are Halloween tracks that you can get that have this sort of punk but funk feel. Mm -hmm. But this one's actually good. Yeah. Like it's not just like it's not something you put on and kind of like condescendingly slap your knee. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, listen to this song that's on the playlist. Haughty, haughty, haw. No, this is good shit right here. It is good, yeah. And so you you might be at like a Halloween party and no one's playing Drax back. So then I started thinking to myself, it needs more attention. It needs to be part of the Halloween culture. The thing that stunned me most when I looked this up, I'm like, how have I not heard this song? I've looked at a lot of lists of Halloween oh, songs, yeah. a lot. Yeah. I mean, like literally hundreds by this point over the course of the last five years. So this never came up once. Come to think of it, though, it may still have this kind of big popularity over in England because that's where the band is from. But I'd have to converse with our British friends about that. Yeah, I'm sure it's still a, a, just a major smash in, in England. The <laughs> Bollocks Brothers, uh, Drax back from 1986. Well, yeah, but like we got, we hear the Time Warp and Thriller like on loop, and then that's about it. So you have to listen to the Purple Stuff podcast to get Drax back. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, it really hits the mark because um, all the double entendres. I was going to ask you because, I mean, <laughs> I was listening to those lyrics like, hmm, is this psychedelic funky pop song about Dracula giving blowjobs? What's happening? 
I want to suck your woo. And then woo! I'm thinking, yeah, woo. And I'm thinking, all right, this is Ric Flair and Dracula. Two worlds collide. One of the lyrics is, um, well, if they were wise, they would soon realize they're not hungover. They're just vampirized because Drax back. Oh, my God. I mean, the fact that this didn't win every award that year. Yeah. I want to suck your woo! I want to suck your Number seven. Come on, Jay, do it with me. Baby, And then they do the record scratch. <laughs> that was BB's chant, aka Where Are You Tonight, off the Deadly Friend soundtrack. Wait, 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 wait. Where are you tonight? It has like a parentheses. <laughs> it does. It, and it took like me it took a lot of digging for me to get the proper name, but I believe that is it. Where are you tonight? And it kind of, I mean, it comes through in the desperation in BB's voice. Sounds like a song Jeff Jarrett should have sang. (laughs) (laughs) This was uh, composed by Charles Bernstein. If you could count what this is as composing, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. This is like one of those songs where the whole time you're listening to it and then all of a sudden, like, they start scratching the record like it's a rap song. This was, of course, another uh, closing credit song. I'm four for four so far. And that's yeah, so cool. there's, there's nothing in the movie that's going to make you think you're going to hear this weird, synthy kind of BB rap track. Yeah, I mean, like throughout the movie, you did hear like that BB, BB, and it was like very subtle, but like this is in your face. There's a whole hell, BB. There's a whole hell of a lot of BBs. What I did was I counted how many times they said BB. Okay, I'm not, I'm not, I, okay, so I want to see if you can come close to it. I'm going to doubt that you're going to get close to it. Take a serious guess. In fact, I'll give you, beep, beep, beep. I'll give you three tries. Okay, so I'm going to estimate that the song's two minutes. And beep, 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 beep. that took me about one second. So that was four <laughs> BBs a second. Are there 240 BBs in this song? Yeah, nope, nope, not 240. It's higher than that. There's more than 240 BBs? Yes. Um, 275. Higher. Um, uh, I'm going to go with The Undertaker's Weight. That'll be 328 BBs. Oh, 322. Oh, my God. Uh, you were close, though. That's a, I know, but I went over, so I got the foghorn. So uh, <laughs> that's a lot of BBs. I know, and I completely made it up. <laughs> Oh, you fucking jerk. You jerk. I can't believe you. BB. You know, the thing is, you're probably not far off. I know. I mean, it's literally just BB, 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 and then just BB overlaid on other BBs. So it's yeah. actually hard to count all the BBs. Some, sometimes, sometimes in this song, there are literally five BBs in a half second. Yeah. The amazing thing is that when we describe the song that way, it sounds like it would be really obnoxious, but it's kind of good. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep in mind, Charles Bernstein, <laughs> Bernstein also did the theme to Nightmare on Elm Street. So yes. this is not like just in some schmo's hand. This right. is but you got Charles see, Bernstein. But let's let's be honest, though. Just because someone did one thing that you really love 
doesn't mean that the other thing is going to be as good. <laughs> Words of wisdom from <laughs> Mr. Sunshine over there. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love it. But it just needs like less than half the BBs. Yeah, I mean, I could have done with a few less BBs, sure. <laughs> Maybe throw in a BB Newworth and we'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that's a reference I can get behind. You're getting into Fraser territory now, so you're in my house now, Jay. <laughs> Uh, just to establish, because yeah. we did talk about Deadly Friend on our robot show a while back. I just want to get across who BB was for anyone who didn't listen to that show. That was the robot who got its brain chip merged with undead zombie Christy Swanson. <laughs> yep. BB the robot's soul is living in Christy's dead body. And I feel that is important information to have if you're going to enjoy Where Are You Tonight, aka BB's chant from the Deadly Friend soundtrack. Where Are You Tonight by Double J. (laughs) (laughs) Slap nuts. Number eight. That was the opening theme to The Hitchhiker by Michael Rubini. Do you remember this show, Matt? TV show? I know of it. I've never seen a second of it. I'm in the same boat. Uh, So this was a mystery horror anthology series that was on HBO at first. So it was allowed to be a little bit more racy and stuff and explicit. Well, I mean, that's, that's the one thing I did read about it, that it was very, like, mature. Yeah, exactly. 1983 to 1987 was the first run, and then it later moved to USA, uh, 89 to 91. So two parts of the series, two different stations. I used to stay up real late and watch TV, and when this came on, I would watch this intro, and I would get really scared. And I'm like, okay, I'm not watching this, but I thought to myself, I had this like crisis in my mind. What is this show? Okay, it's got a really scary theme song. It has this like scary kind of beat in the beginning. It's kind of like the Tales from the Dark Side version of the A-Team theme. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. And then you're watching and you don't know what's happening. There's a guy walking in like the desert and he's hitchhiking and it's got the Nightmare on Elm Street font for the opening credits. And I'm thinking to myself, like, if this is not a horror show, I don't want to watch it. So I kept thinking, nah, it's probably some drama because this guy looks like the Marlboro Man. Yeah, he's, it doesn't <laughs> no, make I mean, sense. Look, I, th- I got more of like a Knight Rider vibe from him. I did watch the opening credits. I watch it now, and I'm like, how could I not know? This is basically like the scariest thing ever. But seeing him as a horror host, I didn't realize basically what he was doing. He's basically being like Rod Serling or the Crypt Keeper. Yeah, I didn't know until today, and I, I, I've never seen his work. I've only seen the opening credits, but it did stunned me that this wasn't just some random dude that was only in the opening like that guy's actually in the show did you have a similar experience like seeing this intro or you do you not remember it i was much more familiar with the usa run of the show you see the promos all the time on usa and they would always use snippets from this intro to me that guy looks like knight rider and it's like the old credits from that incredible hulk show oh yeah when he's walking around so, yeah. yeah yeah so it's like the hitchhiking incredible hulk ending thing with knight rider <laughs> instead so it's interesting two of them would be interesting to me and you uh gene simmons starred in one episode and zach galligan from gremlins mm. so i think those are two episodes we can check out can we start with zach yeah <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> but it, Talking about like Gene Simmons, what if like half of this dude 
half of his face was like burned like Sammy Kerr and he wore black leather pants and had like a severe limp and he was hitchhiking. That so, would be like, oh, this is a horror show. I get it. I guess you're pitching burned Gene Simmons hitchhiking over the burned, desert. Is that like what you're saying? Burned Sammy Kerr limping, but mixed with this hitchhiker guy, it would be a little bit scarier than what it is now. He's just some dude with like a brown leather jacket hitchhiking. Like that's not scary. No, it's not scary, but it is a little unsettling at the same time. Though I think your idea of a, a burned Sammy Kerr lookalike would be a little more unsettling. Yes. <laughs> Number nine. Show me that smile again. Light up the night with leering jack-o'-lanterns. Come, all my ghoulish friends. Let the Halloween begin. It's not just imagination. Whisper right in your ear Did the wind alone Softly moan No, it's a werewolf That's outside your window The foulest of all creations Gather together At this time of year The creatures of the dark Here we are Coming to scare you By bringing your nightmares to life and that was the special spooktified version of the Growing Pains TV theme as heard in the season six two-parter called Happy Halloween, which this. aired on Halloween night <laughs> yes. back in 1990. Nice. Growing Pains. They had a few different Halloween episodes. One of them I actually consider one of my like all-time favorite Halloween TV episodes. Same. It's not the one from season six, though. Uh, no, I know the earlier one. That was yeah, fantastic. Yeah, where I, mean, I think Ben is in the monk's costume. Oh, God, it's so good. I used to think, I'm like, wow, this seems like my Halloween, you know? And then yeah, I'm exactly. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's totally like the idealized suburban 80s Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by contrast, the one from season six is really out there. It's like you got the Seavers telling ghost stories that they themselves star in. It's really zany. It is. But even in this season six Halloween episode, the best thing about them continues, and that is looking at all the decorations on the walls of oh, the house. Yeah. The, the all those basicals. Yeah. The one undeniably great thing about the season six Halloween episode, it's that spin on the show's classic theme, Jay. Yes. And it's like capitalizing on one of the best TV theme songs of all time. Yeah, a big risk. I mean, this is season six of Growing Pains. At that point in the show, the only thing keeping you on air was the theme song, I think. Yeah. <laughs> the show was like really like, I mean, I, the, I loved Growing Pains, but towards the end, it just went off the rails. The quality really degraded in that show. Those early seasons are like literal classic TV, and then it just slides right down yeah, the Yeah, like I had forgotten how close Mike was getting to like Steve Urkel territory in the later seasons. Like it, it's yeah. really a whole different show. Oh my gosh, yeah, and he was like, he was so cool, and then, wow, like, what happened? Yeah, yeah, well, I won't speculate on that, but the uh, spooky spin on the show's classic theme kept the general melody, but slowed things down, changed the lyrics, and it was good. It was really good. Good enough for a playlist, I think. Yeah, Would definitely. you put this on, like, I... if you were going to do a hundred song party mix, I think this might make it. Oh, this is totally on there, but not by Drew's Famous, though. No, 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 no. You want the real deal, not the Drew's Famous version. You mentioned the fact that it's a two-parter, and I have to tell you, a lot of people might not be familiar with this, but when we were kids, the value of a two-parter, it felt like this event. It doesn't matter if it was like the show was terrible at this point. If you heard two-parter Halloween, right. oh my God, like you're totally in for that no matter what. Like You may go back to a show that you stopped watching just because of that. If they're giving this a full hour, there's going to be some serious shit going on today. <laughs> I mean, and just to be clear, when you say two-parter, you don't mean part two next week. They did them back-to-back. -back. 
Yep. So this was a full hour on Halloween night. I mean, that's a big deal. So Ben's part in the anthology, uh, he he has like the best thing because he keeps he keeps telling the story where he walks into the house and there's like ladies in bikinis around. It felt so weird on that show to see something like that, but it was hysterical. In retrospect, I don't know if opening with Ben's segment was the wisest move because <laughs> a lot of us checked out. I would count me among the checked out folks. So, you know, it was just so bizarre. It was almost like Terror Vision kind of vibe. It was. It really was. You know what's great, though, about Growing Pains? They were so good at keeping those, like, minor characters in the mix, even though the character may never have shown up for, like, five years. Ben gets a call from Stinky Sullivan, who was his friend on the show. But, like, Stinky probably hadn't been on the show in, like, a couple of years. Right, right. Stinky's last appearance was on the better Halloween episode in, like, season two. Oh, man, he referenced Stinky. That means he's still friends with him. I was worried about that. (laughs) I mean, God, Jesus Christ. I mean, that really is you in a nutshell right there, that observation. I mean, if if someone saw this hour-long fucking insanity and the thing they took away from it was that Stinky was referenced on a phone call but not actually seen. (laughs) But no, there's another one. Jamie Lunar from Just the Ten of Us was in this episode. Yes, she's not playing the character from Just the Ten of Us, but she is in this episode. The one Just the Ten of Us sister that was not in an Elm Street movie. Man, is that true? Of the older ones, not counting the the small one. But yes, it is true. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's my little piece of trivia. See, you're not the only one that could read Wikipedia before we record. (laughs) Number 10. If you hear a noise, late at night, the tables move from left to right. Pictures fall right off the wall. You've got the ghost, they're big and small. And if you want to chase them out, cause they're not just a dream. Go out now, don't you delay. My final pick tonight, Matt, is Ghostbusting Machine. And that was a song from Ghostbusters meets The Laser Ghost, which was one of those book and cassette sets in 1985. The cuts just don't get any deeper than this. (laughs) That's true. This is like one of the deepest cuts ever. Now, rather than license out the actual Ray Parker Jr. Ghostbusters song, Peter Pan Records out of Newark, New Jersey, they had a song produced called Ghostbusting Machine, and it starts out, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, spirits in the night. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, something here ain't right. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, makes you want to scream. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, get a Ghostbusting Machine. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> Ghostbusting Machine, right? What the fuck is that? I mean, is that like the... the the chamber where they keep all the spirits? I mean, the only thing I can think of is the Great Heap from the Star Wars cartoon. Yeah, it's the Great Maybe heap. it looks like that. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, they keep referencing this Ghostbusting machine, and really, no one knows exactly what they're talking about because maybe it was like in the script that they used the machine to get the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Who knows what they're getting that from? It's just such an unforced error. Like, there's no reason. No reason for it. But it's still a good song, and it's really catchy and fun. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> like I don't great. mind it. It's it's great, and it's, it is great. Yeah. It's it's kind of like weirdly sexy. Like it's a song you could kind of do it to. Move your shoulders back and forth. <laughs> yeah, you gotta bop when you hear this song. When you opened a book like this, number one, the characters usually look nothing like they did in the movie, and 
they didn't really act like it or sound like it but like we were like okay with it because we expected it to be a shittier product the voices to each of the characters like Ray's voice sounded like an old German psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just to establish, this isn't the real Ghostbusters. This is like the movie Ghostbusters. So the book yeah. is when you flip through and look at the art, it's Ernie Hudson. It's Bill right. Murray. But then when you hear the voices, it certainly ain't. It almost feels like they should have been satired and not looked exactly like the people because it would have fit in with the other artwork a little bit better. But then you're hearing these voices like, what are they doing? And the guys are acting like they wouldn't be acting like Peter uh, is all like professional and he's in this like Jetsons control room. There's just no way that they actually got permission to do the likenesses of the actors. Like It must have just been something <laughs> just they did. just did because yeah. they, they couldn't get the song. And yeah. they have the Ghostbusters. It's like the way the Ghostbusters are acting. It's like somebody just read a three paragraph press release on the movie. Yeah. Like it's like they have no fucking idea. It, it, they have no idea. Egon, the party animal of the group, suggests not catching the ghost and going to drink some beer. They even call the proton packs like lasers, which yes. is like, it's just even more confusing because they said the ghosts are made of lasers in the book. Everything, oh, God. everything just... <laughs> in the book and tape is a laser. Is everything. That... <laughs> Knowing all of that, it's still amazing. This thing is so great. The song, even with all the scratches and pops on that YouTube thing you sent me, it's good. It's really it's good. Really like I would good. totally pull this out and put it on a list. Totally. Oh, yeah. And I just love if somebody looks this this book up. It has the song in the file, like on YouTube. And then somebody comments. I knew this was coming. Like all you get all crazy comments, and then somebody asks, "Dead serious? Is this canon?" <laughs> <laughs> I actually wrote that comment down because it was like, I'm like, this is so amazing. The comments in general are just freaking amazing. Oh god, video. yeah. If the ghosts were holograms, how yeah. are they able to tap on the window? <laughs> yeah. So that was our seventh Spooky Songs episode, Matt. Seven Spooky Songs. Hell of a time. Yes. I mean, whew, uh, wow. We are really, uh, I don't, it's not scraping the bottom of the barrel, but it's more like, a, it's like opening a new door. It really is. So let's run them down. Okay. So let me look at your list. You brought to the table the song by the fucking, the, the Italian family next door. I forget the name of them. The Fibonacci's. The Fibonacci's, yes. of course. Yes. <laughs> they spun off from Cheers. You brought the television theme by the Fibonacci's. You did Drax Back by fucking somebody. Red Lipstick. Red Lipstick. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, no, wait. Wasn't that by the, the Bollock Brothers? Yes, but they called themselves for that jam, Red Lipstick. Oh, uh, okay. Jesus Christ, so fucking confusing. <laughs> you did Ghost Hosts expansion slash cover on the Haunted Mansion theme. Yeah. And then you also did Ghostbusting Machine <laughs> by the uh, the not-quite-Ghostbusters from this book and record from, I guess, what, 1985, something yeah. like that? Yep, 1985. Oh, boy. My favorite from that list. Oh, wait, you also did the Hitchhiker, Hitchhiker theme. Hitchhiker, yeah. Oh, how could I forget the Hitchhiker theme? Um, it is actually between the Hitchhiker theme and the Terror Vision song. I had a feeling. And... Wow. <laughs> Whoa, tough. Oh, too hot to handle, too cold to hold. <laughs> Do you want to, uh... Do you want some time? <laughs> I might. I might. Okay. Why don't you do mine? We'll come okay. back to mine. Yeah, all right. Let's do it. Okay, so I'm going to run yours down. We had the Garbage Pail Kids theme song, which was... That went um, over like a fucking lead balloon, didn't <laughs> yeah. it? Uh, the BB-8 theme song at the end of the credits in Deadly Friend by Charles Bernstein. B-b-b-b-b-b. We had the Cat's Eye theme song, which is... Whew, love it. Oh, Ray Stevens. Wasn't Ray Stevens a wrestler that fought at the Cow Palace? Yes, it was actually the same guy. He moonlighted <laughs> as a singer. 
<laughs> we had uh, Metropolis, Darkest Side of the Night from Friday the 13th. Uh, and Jason also takes our, our, from Friday the 13th and also our drives to Monster Mania. Yeah. And the customized Growing Pains theme song for the Halloween two-parter episode. And wow. Holy cow. That's a hell of a list. Really strong. I like what you brought to the table. I'm narrowing it down pretty quickly to Metropolis, Darkest Side of the Night, and the Cat's Eye theme song. Because both of those are really, really good. Cat's Eye theme song is funky. You could dance to it. And it also goes along with a really fun, weird anthology movie. And then we have Darkest Side of the Night, Metropolis, gives me power, gives me life. That's what I'm going with. That's my pick. Wow. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's so you. It's so you that I wouldn't be shocked if someone tells us that you actually brought it up on one of our early spooky song shows. Let's be real. I would say there's at least a 45% chance that you have. No, I have to say you really did. You brought my attention to this one because like, I was always kind of like not into that installment of the franchise. So this one wasn't always like one of my loves. But now you, you really called my attention to it. And oh, my God, I love it. All right. Well, that's great. Metropolis, the darkest side of night. And we're going to pair that one with the song. <sighs> Boy. <laughs> I'm really having trouble this tonight. This might be the longest that you, you've had. <laughs> to, 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 so we we might have to go into a filibuster. Do you want me to keep uh, talking? We <laughs> <laughs> oh, see. You know what? Oh, God, it's so hard. Okay, it wait, really... so let's go back. So you were deciding between The Hitchhiker and uh, Terror Vision? Yes. Okay. And it's like, and you see why I'm having trouble, because the, the vibes on both are both so me, but both so different. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, jeez. I, I can't call a tie between them, right? <laughs> We've never done it before. We've never had we might, wait, we might have to call Jack Tunney on this. <laughs> Let's get let's get Jack Tony on the phone. I'm going to vacate the WWF championship. The next champion will be determined at this year's Royal Rumble. Oh, do you want a do you want a deferred choice? Like, yeah, maybe we'll get back to you on this. I'm gonna go with the hitchhiker theme. Really? Wow. Yeah. See, I think that's an upset. Wow. It is. It is. It is. In my heart, I know I love that Terrorvision song. It's a little tainted because you know how I am with like gross out stuff. Right. So it's like I can't separate the awesomeness of the song to the shot of the fucking alien cis dog eating grandpa. <laughs> the hitchhiker, I haven't seen any gross stuff in that show because I haven't seen the show. It's nice and clean for me. It's just a nice moody thing that I can listen to in the car when I, I am just lamenting the state that is my life. <laughs> and truer words were never spoken. Yeah. So the finalists, well, actually, the champions tonight are the hitchhiker TV series theme. And what did you pick? Um, I picked, uh, you know, the, the darkest side of night. <laughs> darkest side. <laughs> Dark, yeah, I see you real, real convicted in that choice. Oh, come on. Two great songs and a, a whole slew of great ones. Tonight, really, I wasn't lying. See, people thought I was just embellishing. This is for real. Probably one of the strongest sets of songs we've had overall. Well, I think it's uh, arguably the strongest because ugh, up and down the line, these are not songs people already have on their lists. The only one that shouldn't have been on this list is Garbage Pail Kids. It, it not only should be on the list, it should be in the top three. It would be on that little, like, uh, that podium thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's all good. You don't, you don't like one of my songs? That's just par for the course. <laughs> so this has been the Purple Stuff Podcast. We want to thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. We are also on Patreon, where we do monthly bonus shows. In fact, this month's bonus show, meaning September, has already dropped the little spooky TV commercials bonus. Oh, yeah. That one was fun. We love the commercials. Good stuff on there. Mm-hmm. So you can check that out at, uh, Jay, what's the URL? Patreon.com slash purple stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for listening, everybody. We had a great time. We hope you're enjoying your Halloween season, and we're glad that we are a part of it with you. Oh, God, what a nice sentiment that was, Jay. <laughs> so I am Jay from Sludge Central. And I, I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm still swooning over how nice that was. <laughs> I'm Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. 
We'll see you next time. What should we sing? We should sing something. Uh, well, what's a song we both know? Aside from BB's chant. BB, BB. BB, 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 How about Drax back? I want to suck your woo! <laughs> I love that you think I listened closely enough to remember even a single line from <laughs> Drax back. Hey, there's that Fibonacci fella. <laughs> the Fibonacci's, not them. They'll never leave. Oh, damn, that Monopoly rule. The Fibonacci's took my spot again. <laughs> Damn those damn dogs if they don't start curbing Roger. <laughs> Jeremy, get over here. Jeremy, does your mother know you're here? <laughs> Stop telling stories. I don't need to There's a darkness in my soul. I know what waits for me. Something You are listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast. <laughs>